And it is with a sense of great honor and privilege that I introduce to you our teacher, director, and speaker this morning, Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's so great to be able to share the platform with such an amazing artist as, as Martin Kerr. All right, welcome. I had a number of people tell me their partners were home in bed still warming up this morning at the first service, so good for you, making the trek and making the trip. I'd like to invite you in this moment to just simply gently close your eyes, and if you're so guided to place both feet on the floor, it, it grounds us in such a beautiful way. It also sends a message to one another that we share our energy. And so, this is an opportunity. This is the only moment. This is the eternal moment. And it's a beautiful moment, and it becomes sacred if we allow it to be sacred. And so let this idea percolate in you as it does in me. As we, as we end this amazing year 2013 and welcome newness. It's always the new year. But of course, collectively, in the race consciousness, in the cultural conditioning, it is the new year. And so what is it in this moment as you breathe in and breathe out? What is it that you are happy to see done with, to put down? And not in a spiteful way, but just understand that the learning that whatever it was in, the learning that was in it for you, you've got. You celebrate and you move forward to the next event, the next learning, the next insight. And so let us open ourselves in this moment to understand we are eternal, that we have always been, we will always be. And that this force for good, this presence, this principle of spirit is alive and dynamic to the degree that we allow it and welcome it into our experience. And so collectively in this moment, let us breathe in this presence and breathe out that presence. It is who we are individualized. It is celebrated in so many beautiful traditions upon this planet. We honor all of them. Wherever love is present, we honor it, we celebrate it. And that consciousness of unconditional love and the recognition of this power and presence that animates all of our lives, that gives us the inspiration to fulfill our potential in that which we're called to do, to express and to create, to love, to nurture, and celebrate. And so in that consciousness, as we come together today, celebrating the beautiful artistry of, of our musicians, of the beautiful poetry of Martin Kerr, expressed through his beautiful songs. All of it is an inspiration and a reminder of that which is seeking expression in and through and as each and every one of us. And so may we continue, despite the distractions, to give the majority of our energy to that possibility, to that opening within us. So this day is a day of opening. I give thanks and great gratitude for our beautiful community, for our beautiful building, for the consciousness that we are immersed in in this incubator of love, and to know that the next right experience as we open ourselves to that, the, right in, the next right insight, word, idea, possibility is available to each and every one of us. I give thanks for that. I give thanks for this beautiful day. I give thanks for life itself. Looking forward to this new year, blessing that which came, guided, instructed, challenged, restricted, and gave birth to a, a consciousness 
so that you and I may live in greater and greater freedom. For this I give thanks. And together we say, and so it is. Did we forget to sing? Okay, well, why don't we sing now? I knew something was missing. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room In this very room In this very room mm. See, it works either way. Pray first, sing, sing, pray. Look at how versatile we are, adaptable. Yeah. So today, this is our last Sunday of 2013. And it's around reflection, a beautiful song. It's so easy in hindsight that Martin sang and to be able to look back at the year and, and see how we did and, and, uh, and how you measure. Because I think how we measure is so important about reflection and celebration. And so I want to share some ideas with you. And so I think some, some things that are quite uh, um, uh, insightful and maybe informative and, and help us put something into perspective that we may be uh, uh, maybe not so clear about, and perhaps just to add to the clarity, to, to add to the momentum that you have, that you're experiencing right now. Last year we, and I'll talk about it next week, we had everyone with their white slate take that piece of tile and write their intention word on it. And that intention word is the quality of the infinite that we'd like to experience. And for some people, they kept it alive for a long time because I know that I was getting emails from people saying, thank you so much that uh, I've had a deeper and deeper experience of this particular word, this quality of the infinite that I've expressed. For some people, um, that word faded right away. You know, there was not a lot of momentum around the word. And what I want to share with you, if you were one of the people that was in the, the group that, where your word didn't uh, sustain the momentum throughout the year, it's Okay. Because that's, understanding it is so, how you measure success with that is not so much the, the fulfillment of it as that, okay, this word was alive for you for a little while and, and you sort of were imposed to this, this task of, of uh, writing it down, uh, but it faded. But all of it is, all of it, wherever we are, wherever we begin, that, that word, Dr. Holmes said, we activate this infinite intelligence, this law, by impressing upon it through the spoken word. And that's why it's so important to do our prayers out loud. And so I, I found a wonderful book that I'm going to use in, uh, in January, and I wanted to read you uh, the first uh, section of it. Actually, it's on page one. This is called Start. Punch fear in the face. Escape average. Do work that matters. Average. There's a little button, imaginary button on the front. says average to awesome. It's by John Acuff. 
And so I wanted to read you a story that I thought was, was wonderful about having a word and starting out in a direction and, and what might be some of the challenges with it. And I thought this story illustrated it beautifully. He said, if you ever fly Korean airlines, keep your eyes closed as you make your way to coach. You may have to feel your way there, but trust me, the momentary inconvenience is worth it. You do not want to see the first class seats. The challenge is, is that you enter from the front of the plane, and if your eyes are open, you're immediately thrust into an aeronautical wonderland. First class isn't full of seats. It's full of tiny pods of luxury. They have their own little sleeping cocoons in which to lounge away the 16-hour flight. And if you see these pleasure domes as you walk to your seat, you're going to get sad. <laughs> so, you f- so that you fully comprehend what's happening as you pass through the seating class, Korean Airlines color codes the seats. The pleasure domes in first class are woven in periwinkle blue fabric that seems to tickle you lightly and whisper, don't you wish this flight were longer? The next seat of classes is light blue and like the color of an apron you'd buy at Williams and Sonoma after being wooed into the store by the smell of boysenberry muffins. The business class is dark blue, serious but still seriously comfortable. And finally, at the end of the color wheel, the back of the plane... You get to coach class, your seat, which is brown, the color of disappointment. (laughs) The other thing it'd be be good for you to know, should you ever fly yourself to Asia, and we've done this, we took a group to China a number of years ago, and it was sat in the back of the plane, as a matter of fact. Didn't know, didn't realize the the significance of that until I read this book. But if should you fly yourself to Asia, is that Vietnam is not close to South Korea. I thought they were like Connecticut and Rhode Island, that maybe I could look out the window from the airport in Seoul and see Vietnam across the water. I was wrong. After flying 16 hours from Atlanta to South Korea, we had to fly another six hours from Seoul to Hanoi. We then boarded an overnight train to travel deeper into the country. I don't know if there were periwinkle first-class seats available on the train, but I know we didn't get any of them. The shared bathroom was just a metal hole in the floor that dropped straight onto the tracks. I thought it was kind of fun. My wife felt differently. After a solid night of rumbling through moonlit mountains, we arrived in Sapa. For there we drove another seven hours on dirt roads overlooking cliffs. Imagine the most dangerous roads you've ever been on, remove all the guardrails, and then add water buffalo. (laughs) Finally, after hours of breathtaking scenery, punctuated by moments of sheer panic, we came upon something I'd never expected to see. French motorcyclist. My initial confusion was that they weren't on skinny 10 speeds from the 1960 with long sticks of crusty French bread sticking out of wicker baskets, and none of them were wearing jaunty berets. Everything I know about France I learned from puzzles. And it's completely okay for me to poke fun at France. The only language my book has ever been translated into is German, and I'm like Hasselhoff over there. Decked out in apocalyptic-looking safety gear and a week's worth of dirt, they were obviously a long way from home. Lost in the deepest middle of nowhere I'd ever experienced, the bikers were gesturing to some Vietnamese villagers huddling around a map that was unfolded on the handlebars of one of the bikes. We pulled up to the side of the road to help them find their next destination. Steve, an American who had lived in Asia for 18 years, looked out the bus window at the bikers' maps, and he said, Wow, look at that. Those amazing maps. Look how detailed it is. We should get one of those. And then he paused just before lowering his window and said, then again, the best map in the world doesn't matter if you don't know where you are. Isn't that true about our word that we pick sometimes? 
and about understanding where we're beginning from and where we're starting. And so if your word faded, it may very well be that it was an inappropriate word for where you are. And so it's not that the, that the quality there or the longing is, is inappropriate. It's just simply that it may not have enough juice around it. You know, I shared a few weeks back about this idea of, you know, a word could be abundance. Many people wrote abundance down on that community tile that we, we shared uh, last year. And yet, uh, f- for some, it might not be a, what abundance, abundance, what does abundance represent? And it could simply be relief. For many people, having enough is relief. And so it might be that abundance is, is, is too far of a stretch. It doesn't mean that it's inappropriate. It's just that to understand where we are in moving towards relief or enough. So eliminating lack consciousness and starting to celebrate what, what's, what's available to us now. And so with that, but, but all of it is, is well and good. All of it, is, it mo- starts to move us in a direction. Because if we don't, if we don't give a blueprint if we don't get some clarity about what it is that we would like to express, what, what would we would like our lives to be about, then we are, we, are, we are subject to the law of averages. And then we start to read other people's opinions. If we don't take responsibility for our lives, who will take responsibility for us? And so it's very easy to abdicate our, our responsibility. So I wanted to read you a... a uh, Uh, some qualities of how we measure success because you may feel like it was a complete waste of time last year with your word, where you were going to go and what you were uh, thinking about um, uh, experiencing. And other people, as I say, would email me along the way and say, thank you so much for doing that. I have my tile and I keep working with it on a day-to-day basis. And the reason it worked is there's no magic in the word, there's no magic in the tile, but it's a touchstone to remember the trajectory. It becomes a bit of a roadmap in a sense. And, and for some people, they lined up with that word in a way that the, the, the roadmap made sense. But really, it's deciding how we measure success for ourselves and becoming, and, and becoming more fine-tuned with that and, and working with ourselves with greater elasticity and dexterity in terms of how we uh, manage where we want to go and how we're doing with that. So successful people, I'm going to give you a little list of these, and it may feel, feel overwhelming, but I'm not sharing it with you so that you feel like you have to take all these on, but there may be one that resonates with you, that may guide you coming back next week in the, in the weeks in January as we start to set ourselves up for what we would like our, what, what touchstone can I use, what roadmap can I have so that I know where I am and where I'd like to go. Successful people accept life as it is with all of its difficulties and challenges. In other words, they adapt to it rather than complain about it. So if we're in a consciousness of complaining, there's nothing wrong with complaining, by the way. I'm not criticizing complaining. It's just not very productive. It's not very effective. So if you find, and I think we can all fall, I find myself falling into the trap of complaining at times as well, but I don't use it as a lifestyle anymore as I used to. It's just simply, I I can find myself going, okay, well, this is, I know I'm against that. I I know that doesn't represent what I want, but do I want to put, how much energy do I want to put into what I find unacceptable, or does it inspire me to work in another direction? And so it's really about accepting life as it is with all its difficulties and challenges. It's because life is hard for people. But then how do you and I become more of the the, uh, answer to the, the problem than continue to be part of the problem? And complaining is a very, very popular idea. Successful people accept responsibility, as I mentioned a a moment ago. When we accept responsibility for our lives and where we're going and how we're operating, then we have a chance because what we own, what we take responsibility for, we can change, we can alter. 
which is compl- it's, it's really about the kingdoms of consciousness and, the, and not taking responsibility leaves us in victim consciousness. And, so it, it, and, and that's a difficult one because that's, that takes a lot of shifting and changing to get into. Successful people say yes to life in spite of the negative elements and make the most of it no matter what the circumstances. They maintain a positive attitude towards life. They look for the good in others and in the world and most often they find it. Sometimes it's hard to see the good, isn't it? But it's so easy to get caught up in the, in the, uh, the dream of, of what the world looks like and that there's still war going on in the world. There's still things happening. I pulled up on the internet and I shared it at Christmas. It's amazing, Christmas service here. Anybody here for Christmas service? Three people. I'm telling you, it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. Thank you guys for coming, by the way. But there's like, did you recognize anybody when you were there, Matt, Pauline? They're like, yeah, couple, because you brought family. But there's like 300 people I never see all year long. It's a beautiful thing, actually, because what it says to me is people want to connect in community. They want to be part of something. And, and so they're drawn here, and it's, it's lovely. It's just a lovely experience, but I'm always amazed by the people I see. It's like, wow. So I always make sure I wish them happy Easter while they're here, too, because I know that I probably won't see them. <laughs> and I just say, I look forward to seeing you next Christmas. Thanks for showing up. And, and so this, we're, we are, uh, we're a niche teaching. I mean, you know, we're just, you know, we're not, we're not one of the big movements that's been around forever. You know, at Christmas is so lovely because we honor all the traditions, because we really do. Wherever, I mean, Holmes said we celebrate love wherever we find it. You know, that's my pat answer for people. You know, they'll ask me about how do you, what's your position on gay marriage? And I'll say, we celebrate love wherever we find it. Man, oh man. And then they wonder what that means. But that's my answer. You know, and, 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 and I, I don't feel compelled to, sh- to defend it. But there's a, uh, our vision for our movement, for what we stand for, is a world that works for everyone, which is really big. And what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. And I shared this on Christmas Eve, and I knew that none of you were there, so I thought I'd share it again, except Matt and Pauline were there. See, I, I can use the same talk, and I'm good to go. World that works for everyone. We see a world free of homelessness, violence, war, hunger, separation, and disenfranchisement. A world in which there is generous and continuous sharing of heart and resources. You know, that we, that what it means is we get cracked open and we realize that, you know, there's... Holmes used to say there's no private good. Dr. Holmes would say there's no private good. So to celebrate one another's good and to, and to be there to, to support one another in the, in the, the unfolding of life. You know, and so we're the ones sort of pushing the envelope. And the more that we do our own individual work, our own clearing, so that newness can be brought forth, it's, it, it changes everything. You know, our prayers are not just words that we're... Our prayers represent at the, at the finest level, and, and we pray a certain way, but it's not the only way. Any heartfelt offering of one's uh, life essence and love for something is a beautiful, powerful prayer. A world in which forgiveness, whether it for errors, injustice, or debt, is the norm. That's a really tough one. Forgiveness, because we can look out at the world, we can look at history and look at all the atrocities that happen, and yet, how can we hold the door open for a bigger possibility when we keep going back and wanting to blame and shame? How much energy, how much energy is appropriate? Because I think we need to be mindful of it, but to use it as inspiration for the newness in which forgiveness, whether for errors, injustice, or debt, is the norm. Because people do the best they can. 
People have done the best they can. And people buy into certain things and then they behave in certain ways that many times looks totally unacceptable. And so what you and I get to do, the opportunity to say, you know what, that doesn't represent me and I will no longer participate in that. I do not support that anywhere I see it. A world in which borders are irrelevant. And this doesn't mean that we won't have countries and that we won't celebrate our heritage. We won't live the lives that we live. But it's this idea of borders and competition which, which comes from the tribal warfare, which is no longer... So all these are new ideas that want to be expressed. A world which has renewed its emphasis on beauty, nature, and love through a resurgence of creativity, art, and aesthetics. I just love that one. Beauty, nature, and love through a resurgence of creativity, art, and aesthetics. You know, we come here, really, for me, Sunday is a celebration. It is a celebration. I call it spiritual theater. I mean, when you have somebody that's as, as phenomenal uh, an artist and, and, and poet that's put his poetry to music as, as Martin Kerr, it's just such a great fit for what we celebrate. It's precious. It's sacred. It's wonderful. And here's, you know, here's his wife, Tara, that wrote this beautiful book. If you're interested, it's, it is the prequel to Pride and Prejudice. And she wrote that and brought those with her today. So if you're interested in the book, there's a few back on the table there. I think it's just fascinating. And the, her little bio on the back is just uh, amazing. And I've looked through it, and there's all kinds of big words in here. I think it's way beyond my grade level as far as <laughs> right, reading for me. But I'm going to give it a shot. And I, and I can call her and ask her. Hey, what is... Just kidding. But there's artistry. You know, on, on, on Christmas... Uh, uh, our son Davis made uh, pots for people. He threw pots in the, and, and had them uh, fired and, and glazed. And just beautiful work. You know, here's a guy that told me years ago when I had my tool bag on, walking around the house with my hammer and saw, looking for a nail that I could pound in harder. He'd say, I'll never do anything with my hands like that. And now he's making pots. So his modality is different than mine, but it's wonderful. And he's, and he, and he's, he's on fire with it. So it's, it's a beautiful thing, that this art and aesthetics. A world in which fellowship prospers and connects through the guidance of spiritual wisdom and experience. And I just think that is such a beautiful thing, this spiritual wisdom. We, te we, we teach and support spiritual wisdom. You need a bigger idea. You know, many times when I'm confronted with something, it's not about fixing and changing it out there, it's a bigger idea. And a world in which we live and grow as one human family. Those are the qualities that we stand for as a, as a movement, which you don't have to come here to celebrate that. But if people want to know what, you, what we represent, that's it at the highest level. And it's huge. How are we going to achieve that? But we have a choice. We can say yes to it. That's a possibility. I want to be part of that. I want to support that idea. Or we can say no to it. That's the dominion that we've been given. And I think it's much more interesting, when I understand the mindset of what success looks like and how I measure it, I think it's much more interesting if I grab onto those, because those things I would never probably come up with on my own, to grab onto those and allow those things to draft me forward. So that, I, you know, if, if something comes along my, my field of, of thought, I can look at my list here and say, does this line up with it? Hmm. And if it does, I say yes. And if not, I say, well, I'm not gonna give much energy. And, and, and be guided in what's mine to do in this situation. Say yes to life. Look for the good. They see life as a series of opportunities and possibilities. They build good relationships. Successful people have a sense of direction and purpose. And I'm going to share a little bit more from that book. Um, 
uh, from start because I, it, it's not about clarity. It's not about waiting until it all, it all lines up. My teacher used to say to me, my ministerial teacher used to say, if you wait till you're ready, you're never going to do it. And she was right because my excuse was, I'm not ready. When I get ready, I'm going to do it. And then she pulled the wool out from underneath me there, the rug out from underneath me and said, well, that's no excuse. And my favorite is successful people have a sense of direction and purpose. They get the most out of life. They get the most out of life because they put the most into it. But that's the law, that's the law of reciprocity, the law of cause and effect. So he continues on a few pages down here in this, uh, this little book here, Start. After the Korean Airlines story, I had it marked, but my marker is now at my feet, so... What he talks about is that all of us, wherever we are, and here it is, all of us, wherever we are, just simply have to start. Just start. And it can be a tiny start. It doesn't have to be a big start. He talks about in this, uh, about the discovery of the Segway. Anybody ever ridden on a Segway or have one? Anyway, but the Segway was invented, and this famous person said, this is going to revolutionize how we build cities. They're going to build cities around the Segway. And so he predicted this great future that we will design entire cities around it, and on and on and on. And that great person was Steve Jobs. Not even Steve Jobs could predict the future on that. So this idea that we're going to know the end destination, we're going to know what it's going to look like, that we need to have it all figured out and where we're all going. We don't. We don't know. But isn't that great? That's one of the great things about life. We keep getting surprised. Laura and I have been watching this series by Oliver Stone, and, and, and it's about the untold history of the United States. And it's very depressing. It's super depressing. It's like, oh, my gosh, wash an episode, go in my prayer chair and do my forgiveness work. and oh. But it's good to know. It's good to have the information. I just don't want to live in that. And so, but the point is that they asked Oliver Stone at the end of it, why do you do this? Why do you continue to, to share this information? Why do you stay engaged? Why don't you just give it up and go away? And he said, because I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised. And see, that's, our, that's part of our role to play is that when we, we understand there's something greater, when there's, there's a new idea that is going to delight and surprise all of us, we can stay in the game. And so it's not so much about looking at all of the, the history that was so um, unacceptable but it's realizing that, you know what, I get a chance to make a difference here. I get to be part of the answer rather than part of, continue to, to support the problem. And that's all these qualities as we, as, we, as we work towards that. A world free of homelessness, violence, war, hunger, separation and disenfranchisement. Well, where can I be, where can I be the ambassador for that? Where can I help with that? You know, where can I be someone that's helping shifting the change with my compassion and the things that I want to see upon the world? There's a wonderful story here um, from Tama Keeves in Inspired and Unstoppable. And she, she articulates this idea of starting as well. It's interesting how everyone talks about the need to start. Because what, what um, John Acuff says in this book is that we feel like there's, there's a voice within us that fear, fear rises up. The subtitle is Punch Fear in the Face. Um, and that's metaphorical. Okay, so if you have somebody that represents fear in your life, I'm not recommending you go home and punch them in the face. 
But the idea is that to not let it guide and direct you. And he says in it, there's two voices that you hear. One is don't start, don't start, don't start, don't start, because you'll get your heart broken. You'll be disappointed. That's part of it. And, the other, and then there's the other extreme, which says um, you have to do it all now. Oh, my God, there's another reason to stop. I've got to change it all now. You know, I'm this way, and to get to there, I've got to do this and this and this, and it's too big, so I'm not even going to try. But as he says, you just got to start. Just got to start. And it's going to be a tiny start, tiny little start to move us in that direction. So what is, what you're being called to experience? You know what? I bet you when, when Tara was going to write this book, she just started. At some point, the ideas percolated in her, and she started, and she wrote down the first sentence, and then there was two sentences, and there were three sentences. And the book, and so pretty soon, she captures the consciousness of what wants to be expressed, and it starts to flow through her in some capacity. The same happens for songwriters. The same happens for ministers on a Sunday morning. But what wants to be expressed here? So this is what, I I think this is beautiful. Tom McKeeves wrote this. It's called Inspired and Unstoppable. She said, years ago, I gave a talk to some enthusiastic college students about how to make it as an artist in the world. And they were hungry for direction, assurance, perhaps a notarized guarantee and a way to paint the world without cutting off their ears in the process. They were taking notes because they wanted to get this right and maybe avoid a divorce, an illness, a bankruptcy, or heartbreak. And I wanted to tell them that life doesn't offer rubber gloves. They want strategies, formulas, commercial foolproof techniques, and bullet points that they could memorize. Don't we all want that? Don't we all want that on our spiritual journey? I want the guarantee. Man, I ain't, I ain't doing none of this spiritual stuff without the guarantee. When we went to John of God, Laura would say to me, you sure don't seem to be too worried about how people are going to, their experience with this. I said, that thought never occurred to me. But it really speaks to that idea of a guarantee. Everybody's going to have a great time. Everybody's going to have fun. You're going to get your money's worth. And I thought, everybody's going to have the experience they need to have because it's beyond description. People, I, I'm always amazed. I've had like 20 people come up to me and tell me what my experience was there. It was this and this, and, and, and it's all from their perspective of, of the modality they're in. And I just laugh. It's like, oh, okay. Because it, it's none of that. It's like, someone, it's like eating a hamburger and then me trying to describe what a hamburger would taste like to you. Do you think that I could satisfy that experience with words? But it's very interesting because we need to put it in a box. It's this or it's this. It's like, okay. It's a complete experience of unconditional love. It is the quantum field. It is beyond description. It's all I have to say about it. And, it's, and, and the intellect gets shut down. The intellect gets shut down completely. But anyway, she continues, I want them to take a bullet, so to speak, for their soul's true life. I want them to take risk, consume risk, billions of them, as though they were hungry baby birds opening their beaks for worms. I want them to know that everything was safe because everything would teach them and eventually activate their bionic strength and fire. I want them to know that openness would strengthen them more than caution and protection. I didn't say to them, so I'll say this to you. It doesn't matter where you enter the stream. It doesn't matter how you begin. Just jump in. Get moving. Start. I'm not being cynical or flippant. Instead, I am confident, confident in your abilities to find your way to your good. I want you to know that you can't screw this up and that the Course in Miracles teaches nothing real can be threatened. Nothing real can be threatened. See, lighten up. Lighten up. Man, you are eternal. 
You have always been, you'll always be. You were incarnated in this lifetime. And you know what I think? I think all of it, I think we agreed to it before we got here and then we get here and we forget about it. Otherwise, we don't learn anything. That's just me. But I'm telling you, so man, let's lighten up. And let's do what before us that we're called to do. I want to feed your willingness to explore, taste, dive in, take a chance and cultivate emotional cojones and a passion for your own learning and experience. I mean, isn't it great to learn? A couple weeks ago, you know, after every, time, every Sunday I get done and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I've told them everything I know. Now I've got to go find another job for a while. I'm done. And about Thursday afternoon, all of a sudden, click, click. Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. That piece, that piece. Thank you, God. Anyway, and thank you, God. Emotional cojones and a passion for your own learning and experience. Experience is the best life coach on the planet, and it will dish out anything you need to let go of your old stories, hesitation, wobbly knees, and baby fat. Hallelujah, amen. So you have homework this week. Figure out what you can start. Baby steps. What is it? What do you long to experience? And, and then dig down deep in that, because it may be abundance, but the road to abundance might be relief to have enough in our lives so we have the freedom, to have enough money in our lives so we can be free to share our gifts and move forward in a dynamic and powerful way. But if we're always struggling for survival, where's the room? There's no room. Ernest Holmes said our divine, our divine nature, our natural way of being is one of abundance and freedom. And so are we carrying limiting ideas and limited experiences, part of the legacy we've been given by parents and culture and all that stuff. But to celebrate that and realize, wow, here's my, I came here to master that. Look at that. I've, I've always lived this idea of never enough. And I've come here to master that, to bring mastery to that. And then I become part of the, and then I become part of the solution of a world that works for everyone. Because my world starts working well for me. And I start showing up in forgiveness and understanding and compassion and allowing people to do their things and to not feel like I have to burn it down or make them wrong or punish them, but to simply say, wow, there's somebody doing that stuff and I know what that feels like, but I don't do that anymore. Because I'll tell you what, if, you're, if your spiritual practice is complaining, you end up having a whole group of people in your life that agree with your complaining. It's called the law of attraction. You know, I love all this stuff. As I said at the first service, you know, to, to start doing some of this stuff, you may have a whole group of friends that come into your life in a new way. So it's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. And our, and our thoughts are precious. Our, our thoughts are so important. Came to me in a dream the other, uh, last night. I was, I was dreaming, and before I go to sleep on Saturday night, I always say, guide me in a story or something to share. And I had this dream about the Trinity. You know, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost that we grew up with in Catholicism, and most people know of. Holmes wrote this about the Trinity and how powerful and potent we are. He said that we duplicate the Trinity of God in spirit, soul, and body. We are one with all matter in the physical universe. You and I are connected. Your good is my good. When you're thriving, I'm thriving. That's what I'm for. And and I don't want to get and see what I don't want to agree with you is the, the spins you're in and the limitation you're in because that just enhances it. That's why we do all this practice. That's why I have practitioners. Practitioners are trained to listen to your story and sit there while you're telling your story. They may not be shaking their head, but inside they're going, no, 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 not true, not true. We are one with the creative law of the universe in the mental world and one with spirit of God in the conscious world. One with the creative law of the universe in the mental world through our thinking 
And we can capture that where, that, where inspiration comes, and one with the Spirit of God in the conscious world. Humanity as the little circle, and God as the big circle. We are a point in the universal consciousness, which is God. And God is our life, spirit, mind, and intelligence. We are not separate from life. Neither is it separate from us, but we are separate entities in it. It's just simple, simple, but so powerful. So wherever we are, God is individualized. And whatever we choose to dwell on, so what will 2014 look like for you and for me? It will look like whatever I decide it's going to look like. And if I have this big audacious dream of where I want to move to, there may be a bunch of obstacles in my consciousness that I get to look at and master so that I can have a fuller experience of that. But that's why we came. That's why we're here. To fully express the infinite. That's a wonderful, beautiful thing. So we're either part of the solution or we're part of the problem. And I think it's much more interesting to continue to engage in life, the the joy of learning, the joy of creating, the joy of expression. This is a powerful thing we're about here. And it's not for everybody. But obviously it's for you and I. So it's a beautiful thing, so thank you. So wherever you did in 2013, celebrate it. You did the best you could with what you had to work with. Even if you're disappointed by it. I mean, talk about forgiveness. It starts there, forgiveness of self, putting it down. And then welcoming the newness, because what happens with forgiveness is we create a space within us for the newness. Gratitude and forgiveness, gratitude and forgiveness. What are you grateful for? And what can I forgive? What can I, can, can I put down so that I, can have a, so that I can be that greater expression of life? It's an honor. It's an honor to be alive. And so this year will be the greatest year you've ever lived. But that's up to you to agree with. And if you don't agree with that, then ask yourself, why not? Why not? Fabulous learning, fabulous people come into your life, fabulous ideas, fabulous opportunities to do the deep healing work for ourselves, the deep work of connecting with spirit and so that we become that individualized expression of God in form. And allowing the birth of the newness and to celebrate all around us. It's a beautiful thing. Bless you. And so it is.